Tommy boy. Michael. Now, Thomas, I know you're like me. It's one of the things we have in common, among other things. We both love television, even though we're in radio. Don't you love television, Thomas? Sometimes. Although I'll have to admit, when I sit down to watch TV, I don't watch a lot of TV. Right. A lot of times, it just it's it just puts me to sleep. Or it depresses the hell out of you. you that's true. Of- that's true. Take a look at the news, you know. But, you know, I watch it, and I flick, and I do things, and... There's a lot of crazy people out there on television. I don't know how they get on. But now that Nancy Grace is off TV, you have to admit, she was kind of wacky, wasn't she? Kind of, but there are wackier people on TV. Come on. All right, so right now, now that she's gone, who inherits that mantle as the wackiest person on TV today? Can you think offhand? All right, give me a second to think about that. I'm sure that you have somebody just on the tip of your tongue. Who would that be? Now, this has nothing to do with politics. It's just that if you hear what things that come out of her mouth, it's just nuts. Her name is Judge Jean Perot. Have you ever heard of her? I think so. What channel is she on? She's on Fox. Okay. You watch Fox a lot. Well, I'd like to see what's going on all the channels. But anyway, she used to be a judge or a DA in New York. and uh, Oh, yeah. I know who she is. Yeah. yeah. She's very caustic and acerbic. Right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, she'll come on. And, you know, it's one thing to be a Trump supporter and, and, and believe that this Mueller thing isn't right or whatever, but she'll come on. And just recently she came on and said things like Mueller should be put in handcuffs and put in prison. Now, I don't know, call me nuts, but he has 25 indictments so far. Four people pleaded guilty already that are Americans. So it's not a witch hunt. And to say that he should be locked up and put in a cage, don't you think that's kind of crazy? Oh, it's not as crazy as some of the stuff I've heard, but okay. I mean, that's her thing, to be more outrageous one week from the other. And that's why, you know, there's a lot of crazy people out there. I think Dr. Phil's crazy. How about that? Dr. Phil? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I, I don't watch Dr. Phil. You do watch a lot of TV, don't no, you? No, no, I don't. <laughs> All right, you asked who's the craziest person on TV. Now, I don't watch this show, but For- certainly if I'm channel surfing... And I'm seeing people yelling at each other and swearing. It's Jerry Springer. Come on. Yeah, but you know what? I think that's uh, all part of a an act that's planned. I mean, well, he, so is Judge whatever her name I is. I know, but Jerry Springer doesn't spout, you know, wacky things. He just gets the people in the audience to spout. He's just the, the moderator. He's like the, uh, you know, the carnival bark. Here's the thing. When you're on TV, what do you have to do? You have to get ratings, Right. right. And order to get ratings, you have to be, what, outrageous, right? right? So that's the way the game is played. So if you're taking any of this stuff seriously, hello, right? get into reality. I know. Like I real life. I like remember. this reality show that's going on every day in life that we just can't turn off the TV, but we're not going to talk about that. Right. And you can, you know, and you can watch, like for the first couple of weeks, my wife watched when it first came out those housewife shows and i sat with her and because you know she watches a lot of stuff i like i said okay let me try this thing out and for the first week or two maybe it was somewhat entertaining but then you see how these people react it's all a script the producers say here's what you got to do and they can't i mean they talk about crazy you should hear the stuff these women yell at each other so you watch the housewife shows? No, I haven't watched them. You shut <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, you do. I, I know you do. Now, just, don't get started, Thomas, or I'll tell people how you really love the Dallas reboot. Okay, I, I, I'm not ashamed of that. 
I'm, but, I'm okay with that. You should be. One time we'll have to do a segment on our guilty pleasures. But no, I don't watch all those reality shows. And that's what I remember. I watched a reality show called uh, uh, The Alaskan Bush People. I thought it was so fascinating. It was this family of about nine people, a mother, father, and all their siblings, their sons and daughters. And they lived in this Alaskan bush. And I thought, how great. They built their own house. They built outhouses. They had one son who was kind of like an electrical engineer, self-taught, and he built a, a washing. You know, all, it was amazing. And then I read online that after the, the cameras went off, they went to a hotel about three miles away from this supposedly isolated part in Alaska. So all these shows are, are scripted. I don't believe one of them, Thomas. Well, they might not be actually scripted word for word. The ideas are scripted. I think that's what you want to say. I guess. I, you know, I think they say, okay, here's the scenario. This is the way I want you to act. Because if a show is scripted, you can tell they're acting. Right. But yeah, they do a good job. I think these reality shows of kind of setting a scenario and letting people play into it. Right. It's called make-believe. Tom and Mike. Now, I call you the Renaissance man because you're so well first in so many things. I have a question to ask you. Yes. It takes talent to, to paint a picture, a good one, like a Monet or a Van Gogh or uh, Da Vinci or the Renaissance painters, the Dutch Renaissance. I mean, you can look at those paintings, even if you don't know anything about painting, and say, man, look at the lighting they did on that, how they shade, how they can make, you know, it's just amazing to me. And then there's people that are called abstract artists that get millions of dollars and I don't get it. Do you? Yeah, they have this big drape all over the room and they just throw stuff against the wall. Well, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's I don't totally get that, but you know, I have it's art, my friend, art. Well, my wife, who was a fine arts major in, in college, she told me the idea of abstract is that they came up with it. I mean, they... No one else did what they're doing before. I don't know. Here's my contention. I think, and this is the honest guy truth, Thomas, if you take a five-year-old kid and make him do some, like like you said, throw stuff against a, a, a canvas, and you put that in a really nice frame, a really expensive frame, hang it on your wall, and have a big cocktail party with 100 of your friends, <laughs> and I bet not one person would question that. What do you think? Have the kids sign it, the whole thing? Well, yeah. I don't know about sign it, but I just don't think if they put that in a nice frame, I don't think people would, would question it. That's how I, I I can't see the creativity and the talent that goes into abstract art. Because this cocktail I, party, you got to tell everybody it's something rare and you paid, you know, $50,000 for it. And, right. You know, everybody's celebrating this great acquirement of this piece of fine art. Right. And... They would be toasting to that, I'm sure. <laughs> I don't understand. Your Hollywood elites. I don't even understand good art. Like I remember, I mean, these paintings for these 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 artists that are you know found hundreds of years after their death go for hundreds. Of, I remember a, a uh, Da Vinci sunflower painting. I think it was Da Vinci sold to a Japanese conglomerate about ten years ago for like a hundred million dollars, and it was just a bunch of sunflowers in a vase, right? A hundred million dollars. And it took Were sunflowers made, in a vase? In a vase, in a vase. You say vase, I say vase. And that one for like $100 million. And, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm scratching my head. And here's why. Because you get two painters painting a, a five-bedroom house. takes them about three weeks. And they charge you like $2,000. I don't see that. You know what I'm saying? That's not art. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> painting. That's construction. That's painting, baby. <laughs> when they not, step away from it, you're whack. Tom and Mike. 
Now, I'm going to put you to test on this one, my friend. I graduated high school, never finished college. After three years, I dropped out. But I consider myself, you know, pretty, you know, street smart, just like you. You know, I know you, you have a high opinion of yourself. And you it's do, all too. Good. We're yeah. both, we both we both came we're up. We're radio. We're, We've we're, got big <laughs> egos, right? Well, I think we both have a lot of street smarts. We could take care of ourselves or any situation we're put in. But, but that's different from book smart. Well, here's what I understand. NASA now has, has t- telescopes that are so powerful that they're seeing things a billion light years away that they now can see. They're talking about how the Earth started and how it all happened. For example, here's, the, here's how they explain it, because it's beyond my mind. They said if aliens had these super telescopes and were looking back at us with these same telescopes, they could see the dinosaurs roam in the age. Do you understand that? No. Would you explain that to me? The telescopes <laughs> they have today are so strong. No. But it's, it's, it's true. Google it. They can look back in time. Yes. Yes. They can turn them inwardly and <sighs> look back in time and see the dinosaurs. Well, we can't see them, but if they, they said if, if people on another planet had this same telescope. Oh, it, it requires people on other planets. Okay. Well, no, they were just explaining the principle of the thing. Who's they? Scientists. At NASA. Yes. This is what we're paying for? Well, this is what our hard-earned government doliras are paying for? Well, to me, it's mind-boggling. I read it online about 10 times trying to understand it, and my little pea brain... And you're expecting me to understand (laughs) it? Well, you are the Renaissance man, right? Yeah, that one uh, I I don't totally get, but okay. It goes over you? Yeah, it goes over me. Next time you're floated in in your saltwater pool, put on your pair of sunglasses, and I want you to think about it, okay? Just think about it. Think about what they're saying, that the telescopes are so strong, they could see billions of light years away, that they can see how things were created millions of years ago. Well, I don't get it, my friend. If somebody can figure that out, please call in and talk to Thomas, right? Stop it right now. Otherwise, my head is going to explode. Tom and Mike. Michael Avenatti, the lawyer for the porn star Stormy Daniels, is now considered a run for president. Thomas? He's considering. He hasn't announced yet. No, he's exploring it. He seems like a smart guy. I wouldn't vote for him. Well, you know, I I really think we've got to get back to the good old days of people who started out as public servants, right? Right. As opposed to lawyers, businessmen, blah, blah, blah. Come on. Give me somebody that started out being a councilman, a local councilman, a state senator, uh, a local mayor. Give me somebody with some real public service some government public, government well, pu- experience for me to consider because, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not down with that. Billy, he, yeah, even though he does seem like a smart guy. Well, he's a smart guy. I mean, he's, he went to law school and he's been active in politics for most of his life and he does good things. He helps out different things, but he's a fighter. And I think, you know, for Democrats anyway, if you want to go up against Trump in 2020, you're going to need a fighter. And he said something, he was in Iowa recently, which is what everybody does when they're thinking about going to run for the president. And he was speaking to a crowd of people and they seemed to like it. He said, when they go low, we hit back harder. I don't think that's what Michelle Obama said, right? No. but When they go low, we go high. I know, but how'd that turn out last time for Hillary? Okay, yeah, all right. So right now, you're. let's just say you, you're keeping an open mind. 
That's not why she lost, by the way. But no, all right. But but you're keeping an open mind about Avenatti. I keep an open mind about everything. I'm the Renaissance man. Come on. He said that he's only going to run if, after everything shakes down, the Democrats don't really have somebody that he feels can fight back. And I got to believe that you know they're going to pick. I don't know who. Knows well, whoever the Democrats pick, it's got to be somebody who is a fighter. Number right. one, right. and somebody who hasn't been totally demonized by the Republicans. You know, obviously, couldn't be Schumer or Pelosi, right? Oh, God, no. I think Pelosi should step aside for the betterment of the party right now. You know, she's been in there long enough. Just, you know, you know, you know, release your ego and just say, you know what? I'm a, I'm a whipping post for all these people on the other side. Let me step down and let them start. Uh, I yeah. got a prediction for you. Go ahead, my friend. Whoever can unite Republicans who hate Trump independents who hate Trump, Democrats who hate Trump, that's the person that can pull enough votes, I think, to get the nomination. Well, what, what, whatever party that is. Could be John Kasich. He's too bland. I like him, but he's too vanilla. I think Biden, I love Biden. I think Too he old. Could get, well, you know what? If you put Biden next to Trump on a stage... Biden has him beat and looks every day of the yeah, week. Yeah, people thought that about Hillary, too, but didn't work out that way. Well, I don't think Biden's Hillary. Best part about Biden is he gets those blue-collar Democrats back because he can talk to the, the common man, the guy in the Rust Belt area that went for Trump to give him a chance. Biden's a fighter. I just wish Biden was, I don't know, I just wish he was He's about a Scranton to... boy. That's right, baby. Scranton. The All Office. Right, so so the, right now. Home of, the, home of the Office. Is that where it's from? Yeah, you know, the TV show, the I never. Office. I never watched that show. I actually watched the one where, the BBC one with the original Ricky Gervais. Oh, The Office is a classic. Tom and Mike. I'm going back a little bit of trivia, but it's also something that just happened recently. They think. The mystery of D.B. Cooper might have been solved. Who's they? The people that were doing this research on this. Now, for all our younger, <laughs> for all those younger lo- listeners out Skim there, Skim right Thomas, past the important part. Okay. For all those younger listeners, why don't you tell them who D.B. Cooper was? D.B. Cooper was that crazy guy that stole all that money and jumped out of an airplane, right? Well, that's, yeah. He, I don't know how crazy he was. This was in the early 70s before we had... You know, the terror, we can get on a plane and with a gun or whatever. So he got on a plane out of Seattle, somehow got the government to give him $200,000 and a parachute, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. Do you want to get a parachute that was packed by the people you just stole $200,000 from? Mm. <laughs> well, well, anyway. Right. So, so, the explodable parachute. So he goes, he gets the money. He's in the plane with other people. And he opens the, the door and he jumps out. I think the plane was going from like Seattle to Phoenix or Dallas. I can't remember. But he jumped out over a, a very rural, rural part. I can't say rural. You know. The outskirts I, of nowhere. It was like Idaho or Montana or something like that. Right. And all they found weeks later was about, I don't know, $1,000 in a little knapsack or something. Again, in a creek. And that's the last they heard of him. Well. Just recently, this code breaker, former army ranger or whatever, was reading some letters that he felt that he thinks that D.B. Cooper wrote after he got away with everything. He says, now he, he names the guy, so it's not like I'm, I'm saying something that's not true. He said the guy's living in San Diego. He's an ex-Vietnam 
trooper from Michigan, and his name is Robert Rackstraw, and he's living in San Diego. And this decoder says he has proof that that's D.B. Cooper. Now, I guess he doesn't have really good proof, and I guess the statute of limitations is out because not all hear of anybody being arrested in San Diego. But you must have thought about that over the years, right? D.B. Cooper? Yeah. It's been a long time since I heard that name, my friend. But that is an interesting story. Is anybody going to follow up to see if this is actually the guy? Well, the article didn't say that. But, you know, for a lot of people, even me a little bit, he's kind of a hero. I don't want anybody to hijack a plane. But to think that somebody could think about something doing like this, jumping out of an airplane at 30,000 feet, surviving and getting away with it for 40 years, that's pretty good, isn't it? He disappeared, that's for sure. He's a legend and... What are you going to do? He's out there somewhere, right? Right. You wouldn't do something like that, right? First off, we got to adjust for inflation. How much is that $200,000 worth today? You know, you, that, that, you, you make a good point. If I'm going to go through all that, wouldn't you ask for a little bit more than $200,000 in a parachute? Well, $200,000 back in the 70s was a lot of money. That's probably like a million dollars today, you know. So, right. Yeah, maybe. You know, if I'm just kooky enough. Like that guy that stole that airplane and was doing the loops. I mean, that's what I want to know. The guy that stole the airplane recently and, you know, he was like a runway worker or something. He wasn't a pilot. He played he, video games. Well, he takes off in the airplane. He's doing loop-de-loop in this giant airplane. When I'm thinking, you know, even the most experienced pilots couldn't do that. Right. Well, ultimately, he crashed into the ground. And did you hear the, the, the banner between him and the tower? Yeah, he even called himself like a, a, what, he had a screw missing or something. I know, but he was so relaxed and he had a good sense of humor and he, I don't know, it, it's weird. And then you get on his Facebook page and he had this wife, they traveled a lot, there was pictures of him, they're going all over the world. He seemed to have a good life. So unless we're going to find something out that he had like a brain disease, he was going to be dead in two months or that he embezzled a million dollars. It doesn't make sense, does it? doesn't make sense. It's like one of those things where you hear about somebody just going nutsoid and they interview the neighbors and they say, you know, I knew John. He seemed perfectly normal, good family guy, nice guy. You know, you would never think in a million years that he would steal an airplane and crash it into the ground. Right. But you, you just never know, man. The guy you're talking to over the phone that you don't know that's going to come out and fix your pool heater just might be a serial killer. Right. Right. And to this day, you know, I thought the last person in the world that would commit suicide was Anthony Bourdain. That really took me for a loop because. Right. I mean, he was. Or, or even, you know, Robin Williams. Well, I understand Robin Williams now that we found out that he, he was dying and he had this incurable disease. Here was this guy that his whole life was being such a, a wild man that had all these emotions and stuff. And he, was, he had this disease that was crippling and it was going to take away all that. So, no, I can understand that. But Anthony Bourdain, this guy had the best job in the world. He traveled around the world and they paid him to eat at the best restaurants and meet the most interesting people. And I don't know. He made a difference because he, he, he. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I totally don't get that. But then again, I've always said this when it comes to matters of the brain, I don't think medicine has even scratched the surface. I, I don't think we can even begin to understand the intricacies of what goes in between those ears. Man. No, you're right. And depression is a mental uh, disease. And it, uh, but the thing about Bourdain that I can't figure out. He had so many friends, and if he was going through this depression, 
you'd think he would reach out to one of his friends and said, man, I'm having a really hard time right now. And they would have got him the help he needed. That's what I can't figure out. Ah, oh, what a waste. It just goes to show you, you know, when you're having depression problems, it's either chemical or situational. Right. And sometimes it's both. With him, it just seems like it would, maybe it's chemical, but who knows? I mean, like I said, science really does not understand the human brain. Right. All right, doctor. You're and doctor. with that, <laughs> All right, no. I'm trying to understand you. Oh, no. I've been down and out in my life many times, but boy, I just got up every day and enjoyed life. And, That's uh, what I want to hear. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. life is good and the music's hot. Tom and Mike. All right, pal. Here's what we're going to do right now. I'm going to read you a quote from somebody who's a famous person, a celebrity, or you know, just a famous person that everybody knows. This is a famous quote, and I'm going to give you three names after I read you that quote. I'm so glad this is multiple choice. Right. (laughs) At least I have a fighting chance. Right. Because when you have these quizzes, like you just proved the other day, what was I, 0 for 3? 0 for 3 on Dead or Alive. Oh, my God. I'll give you a chance to get back. Famous quotes. Ladies and gentlemen. Let's go. And now it's time to play a game. Famous quotes. Who said it? All right, famous quote. Somebody who said this, you tell me who said it. Think about it. Think about the quote. Think about the words they said. All right, you ready? Ready. Don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. Very simple. One sentence. Who said that? Was it Elizabeth Taylor, Dr. Zeus, or Will Chamberlain? Let's go with Liz Taylor. (laughs) Dr. Zeus. Yeah, see. What happened to you? You got me. I had no clue. I have to guess. I have a one in three chance. What made you say Who, Elizabeth? Who's going to know this stuff? What made you say Elizabeth Taylor? Because she had so many husbands? No, she seemed like she was. But Dr. Zeus, isn't that a fictional character? Okay. I'm going to give you an easy one. I, I, never, I want you, a real person. I, I don't usually do two famous quotes in a day, but because I want people to know. I never would have picked Dr. Seuss. Right, that I'm was gonna, a trick question. Right, I'm going to give you an easy one now, all right? Okay. Two things are infinite. The universe and human stupidity. And I'm not sure about the universe. Now, who said that? I like that quote. All right, you ready? Ready. Charles Ponzi, Albert Einstein, or the famous bank robber, Willie Sutton. Who said that? A Ponzi scheme guy? Yep. Really? That's no, g- no, no. Who are you guessing? The Ponzi scheme guy. Wrong. Albert Einstein. Uh all right, we're going to end today because you got to go back and read some books. People okay? are going to think I'm really stupid. Well, well, that's okay. You got a good common sense, though, my friend. No, wait, where's number three? Oh, you want to do a third one? Oh, I thought you had a third one. No, I can give you a third one. Yeah, give me a third one. Give me a fighting chance. Okay. Come on, I got to get something right. All right, all right, right. You only live once, but if you do it right, once is enough. And who said that? The character in the 007 thing, James Bond? Mr. Rogers or Mae West? You only live once, but if you do it right, once is enough. Mr. Rogers. <laughs> Mae West. <laughs> Mae West. <laughs> oh, you're killing me. You're killing yourself, buddy. Uh, go Where home. Happened? What happened to you? <laughs> what happened to my Thomas? Uh, the brain's been vegging out lately. You, know? <laughs> you better. I think it's that salt water in your ears from that pool you're yeah, swimming in. Maybe. All right, my friend. Tom and Mike.